Welcome back to another episode of Ideas Digest, everybody. And this episode is probably going to trigger a lot of people, um, <laughs> even when I've mentioned to a few people. Uh, yeah, I have Pete Evans on, on the podcast. Uh, mixed reactions. <laughs> very, very mixed reactions. This episode was actually, it was a tough one for me, I'll be honest. Um, it was the f- first episode the weekend after Cam died, and so I was... Kind of had already booked it in. Cam and I were looking forward to interviewing Pete together. It, to be honest, it would have been way more fun. Probably would have had. <laughs> we Cam and I always tried to, if <laughs> if our guest wasn't having fun, which usually they have a bit of fun, but if our guest wasn't having fun, we just kind of thought, well, at least we're having fun and and, and we're on the same page. And this was a hard interview because I I don't know I <laughs> I felt like you know. You be the judge, but I felt like Pete was a bit apprehensive. I sensed. Uh, tell me, tell me what you think, guys. And it would have been a hundred times easier with Cam. So I definitely probably missed some questions. Uh, probably not my best work, but take a listen and tell me what you think. If you would like to know what I really think about the episode, Pete's ideas. Not that it really matters, but if you follow the links in our Instagram bio, you will see, uh, you can sign up to a paywalled web series where good friend of the show, Russ and I talk about each episode and break down, I mean, what did I fail at? What questions did I miss? Uh, what did I do well? What was I trying to accomplish? And how did I think the whole chat went? If you like that insight, then you can find the series, tell us what you really think if you follow the Instagram links in the bio. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back to Artie's Digest, the podcast practice where we break down the ideas that divide us in order to find the humanity that connects us. Now, my name's Conrad, and if you're new to the show, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, Welcome to the process and practice of moving beyond the agree and disagree divide. We all, let's face it, let's be honest, we all quickly fall into it. I'll be honest, it isn't a comfortable space to be in. Um... Like, but like vegetables, it's it's going to be good for you. And with that ham-fisted segue, I've, I've I've dropped a hint for my new guest and friend of the show. I threw that veggie one in there for you, Pete. Uh, please welcome uh, celebrity chef Pete Evans. I don't know if that's your correct title. What's what what's your best intro title that you go by? <laughs> Pete's fine, mate. Pete, Pete, Pete's enough. Friend, friend of the show, Pete. Um, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. My pleasure, mate. Thanks for inviting us on. We do like to kick off the show and we'll jump straight in the deep end with clickbait titles. Uh, We do this because by definition, a clickbait should be outrageous and it should be misleading. And if you click on clickbait and you are not disappointed on some level, then I haven't done my job here. So for new friends of the show, we start at the clickbait level because that's the new norm of how we start conversations in society. It's always a clickbait. The the modern world and the modern discussion begins with the clickbait. And with our show, uh, we don't don't run away from it. We run headfirst into into the clickbait. Um, But the thing we do differently is we don't run away back into our echo chamber. We hear the clickbait and that's the beginning 
of a much more interesting conversations. We ask questions and we try and learn more. So we're going to start today, Pete, with the clickbait that I've come up with. And I've, I've come up with it doing a bit of homework, scrolling your Insta, checking out um, a, a bit of your work. And a comment kept coming up a lot, you know, when people comment on your stuff. And so I've taken that, I've stolen it for the, for the clickbait title. And the clickbait title is Wake Up Sheeple. Okay, wake up sheeple. Uh, a bit of a clickbait to maybe those people who maybe are the sheeple. Like, who are you calling sheeple? I'm not a, I'm not a sheeple. Um, but before we kind of discuss this idea, um, we, we have our clickbait as normal. And when we meet someone new, we find out some generic information about them. And then we, everyone does it, let's be honest, we judge people. So, Pete... I've been doing a bit of homework and I want to play a game that I play with all my guests and it's, I haven't named the game, but it's basically making assumptions and judgments about you and you get the opportunity and the privilege to say yes or no about them. And that's the beginning. That's the beginning, beginning of this. And I've, I've done a bit of, a bit of a Googling on the internet, Pete, and Mm -hmm. It's this, the internet's, uh, you know, this place where there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of information about you out there on the internet. So what I've done is I've gotten a lot of people's assumptions and I put them together and normally we think these things, we judge and we run away, but no, not on Ideas Digest. Today, I'm going to put them to you, Pete. How do you feel about that? Mate, I'm... I'm happy to go along for the ride for a little while and um, if it... uh, it (laughs) If it isn't flowing, then uh, we can divert because, um, you know, anything that you read, such as Google or headlines or something, you have to understand it's usually not based in fact. So if, we, if we're going if we're, if we're to play fairy tales, then, then is, there's probably a time limit for this, mate. If, cause I think okay, 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 okay. I'll, I'll keep it. I want to keep it quick, but I want to take, because this is what we want to do. We want to take what people are saying and give you a quick writer reply to be like, yes or no, is it true, is it not? And the one that fits closest uh, can help us then start the, start the discussion. So I'll just start with some basic assumptions and I'll, I'll give you, uh, you can say next one if you want to go to the next one, all right? Um, you're Aussie, so you must surf. Uh, I enjoy being in the ocean, yeah. I've been surfing for, wow, over 30 years. For our overseas listeners, Aussie stereotype, he is a surfer, okay? Uh, you are a chef, is, that, is the, that is true? Yeah, I wear many hats and I've had many experiences in my life and cooking is one of them. It's uh, something that I love to do and okay. yes, I have, I'm a trained, qualified chef. That's, that's one of the hats that I wear, not the only one. Some of the assumptions about chefs, yes or no, you can dispute this or not. Heavy drug users. Is that true? I've heard rumors. I've got a few chef friends that are like, oh, it's pretty prolific. True or not? Uh, you'd have to define heavy. Uh, okay. That, that, that always is a... Um, good. Bit of nuance there. Okay. We'll give it a... Well, no. I mean, I think, I, I think every industry has had, you know, there's, there's, there's different people in different industries and each person is on their own personal journey, obviously. And in that, in, in that, in that adventure of life, people get to make their own choices and some uh, choose not to partake that, that, 
that route of drugs or alcohol. Others may use alcohol. Others may use drugs. May others may use all of the above. And um, you know, it, it's it's definitely something that I've been aware of. It's something that I've witnessed. It's something that I've experienced with myself okay. personally. And, There's um, a that's a bit of a bit of an in between. Probably a lot of nuance there. And, that, and that's well, okay. I, I, I I'm very careful that I can't generalize for a for an entire industry. But and um, you've you've actually you've actually hit on the point of this of this segment that we try and do. That we really try and highlight the fact that a yes or no does not fit or describe or even necessarily help the discussion. So as I as I um, push through, see if you can see if you can just see which one fits best, and you can either say you can say yes, no, and maybe. Going through going through the interwebs, a lot of assumptions about you saying you are a conspiracy theorist. True, not true. Oh, that's that's up for debate, I, I guess. Up for there's debate, to, yes, okay. There seems to be a lot of uh, conspiracy theories that seem to be turning into realities. So uh, does that mean okay. all conspiracy theories are based in truth um, that you'd have to question? Uh, I've seen things where it's like, yeah, I don't think that's that doesn't seem to be playing out just yet, or that seems a little bit far-fetched, whereas other ones that um, you possibly thought were far-fetched seem to be playing out or have played out in the past. So, again, to generalise that all conspiracy theories are, are true, would be um, that wouldn't be truthful. Uh, to so say you're that, saying define conspiracy theories. That's no, no, no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that um, some are truthful and some uh, probably not. So when somebody okay. says all conspiracies are true, that would be misleading. If everybody said all conspiracy theories are false, that would also be misleading. Uh -huh. so, so these I, these these yes or no boxes just don't just don't fit. There's some level of in between. Accusations and assumptions out there are saying, Pete, you're an anti-vaxxer. Yes or no? Uh, over the course of my life, the yeah. um, the Information that I have learnt over, the, especially the last few years, has been that um, many vaccines are not proven to be safe. So, does that mean that somebody's an anti-vaxxer? Is I mean, what would you say? Would you say that means you're an like you're an anti like discovering that makes you an anti-vaxxer or not? I've said it a hundred times that I'm not. That, there you go. No, a solid no. Good. I, I, but I like does that. that mean? But I do question the safety and efficacy of okay. vaccines, and more right. and more information and I've spoken to people that are completely yeah. anti-vaccine and they've got mm. they've got a great deal of evidence that would support that and I've spoken to people that are pro-vaccine and they've got a great deal of evidence that supports their their okay. point of view so it's interesting yeah there's so scrolling your your insta and seeing some of the posts and comments some might assume you would be a pro-trumper yes or no which which shoe fits uh, that is still to be decided. I actually really, okay. uh, I TBD. Let's, well, let's let's put it this way. I'm a pro. Uh, I'm pro human beings. So every single person on the face of the planet, I would love to think, and I know this as a fact. They all hold light. They're all energetic beings of light. So I I don't hate anyone or despise anybody out there. You know. So to ask me if I'm pro Trump, I'm pro Trump. I'm pro. Bill Gates, I'm pro everybody that's that's on the face of the planet. Do I have concerns with some? 
Do I have concerns with some of the messages or some of the ideas or philosophies behind these people, just like uh, other people in the world? I do. I hold great So you're pro-human and you're a a tentative, still sussing out the Trump political party. Well, I don't know the guy. But I haven't sat, a, I, I haven't sat, a, I haven't sat across from him and I haven't walked in his shoes, so I don't know who the man is, just like many other people in the world. I don't know them, so I, I choose not to judge them. I do appreciate a lot of the things that he has done since he's been in office, and I do appreciate the fact that he's got uh, a voice and the way that his brain works, and I was talking about it to to my wife actually yesterday, just saying, as I watch his press conferences most days, and the guy is switched on when he is he is dealing with journalists on a day to day basis, and he goes out there each and every day and stands tall and can speak, whereas other people can't do that. So I applaud that that in that person that at that age and to have his brain working i mean people question his his ability his mm-hmm. his, his you, haven't, you haven't witnessed that when you watch his press conference you don't see the same story that the media says he's he's a bit he's losing it no 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 he's not losing it he's he's robust i can tell you <laughs> that's mm-hmm. okay. a, uh, he, he is right. a um, he's a he's a unique individual and i have a lot of um appreciation for people like that that can stand up on a day-to-day basis with uh the world throwing shit at him and that he can speak his truth you know and he's a politician you know he's he's juggling a lot more than probably a lot of people in the world can juggle but still maintains i believe his his groundedness and you watch that in him when People question him every single day and he stands, he's, he's very composed and he's very articulate, I believe. So, so you could say, you could say that I'm, I'm pro Trump, like I'm pro everybody else. Last one. You don't trust science. Yay or nay. Well, that's a stupid fucking thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That, well, and your right of reply would be like, is that true or not? When you hear that thrown at you, you're like, mm, no. Your response seems to indicate, nah. Well, I don't think, I, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. And, and my question is, you know, science is always evolving. It's always changing. Anyone that thinks that uh, science is settled on anything is, is not a true scientist. You know, that's... that's so you would that's say a- you love science. You're, you love the scientific process. You love exploring those things. Yeah, I think we should question everything and can continue to question everything. I mean, so many of the fundamentals of, of what it means to be alive, we still do not have the answers to. Does it? So, you know, science is, is constantly evolving, as is our awareness and our intelligence and our evolution as, as a species. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure in 10 years' time or 100 years' time, we'll look back and go, I can't believe we actually thought that was true. So that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm anti-science. It means I'm... I'm for science, I love it. You know, there's always new discoveries that are then. Uh, uh, I interviewed a fellow recently, and um, what he was saying was the, the beautiful thing about science is it's not one person's um, realization. It's usually building on the work of others. It's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle, and and, and that's what happens in the scientific community. And um, what we're watching at the moment or witnessing what's going on in the world at the moment is doesn't seem to be that um, that is happening. That just seems to be a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of um, 
in, as I said, inconsistencies and a lot of holes in the argument for certain parts of science that seems to be perpetuating the mainstream narrative at the moment. And when we can't even question that as human beings or individuals or communities, then there's something wrong with that. That becomes scientism. Scientism is the belief that science is the holy grail, so to speak. And if you can't question that, then you're labelled a blasphemist in these days, which is, I guess, the term anti-vax or anti-science or whatever it is. In the actual fact, it's the complete opposite. So, so you're saying you're saying like these labels that are thrown, those like assumptions that I'm that I threw at you that I found on the internet. You're saying they're they're labels used to shut down the questioning of a mainstream narrative society. To if we throw labels at you, then we can dismiss the questions you're perhaps asking. Is that is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I mean, where you get your information from, from mainstream media is questionable. Whether you get your information off Instagram is also questionable. That's that's the, the reality of it, you know. So it depends where you focus your attention on. And um, some people love to focus their attention on mainstream media the whole time and others like to do alternative news. Others like to detach from all of that and connect with nature for the information that they wish to receive and, and connect with. So uh, I would say be very cautious and be very aware and conscious of where you're taking in your information from to base your ideas from and because we are sponges and so be careful what you're cleaning, what you're using your sponge to soak up, you know, if, if it's rubbish, if it's junk, if it's, if it's junk science, if it's junk media, then you will be filled with that, you know, and it's very and connect with nature if you choose to and connect with your consciousness or, or your greater awareness and you'll get to the, your truth and it may not be the same what, as somebody else's truth. So, What led you to this, I guess, breaking down of pulling apart the stories that you're seeing mainstream media and say like science as presented as the general um, accepted stories what led you to begin to break that down and go, well, hang on, maybe these stories were being told about certain things is not quite what it seems. What was that journey that, be- that maybe began your questioning into certain things? Uh, probably this, the simplest one is um, we'll go back to food. And um, let's, just, let's just use the, the most simple example. Once upon a time when I grew up, it was the food pyramid that we were taught at school, which then became the healthy eating plate or uh, the healthy eating guide, depending on where you are in the Western world. Every single country has its own sort of um, food philosophy that's uh, perpetuated by our health officials, which is then carried out through the educational system, both in primary school, high school, in universities. And that forms the basis of uh, courses such as um, what dietitians or nutritionists or doctors learn. Uh, doctors only learn about eight hours of nutritional science anyway, but it's based off this um, very flawed and very um, conflicted model called our healthy eating guidelines. So once you discover that, that is full of falsehoods, uh, lies and deception and conflict of interest that supports agricultural businesses and even religious ideologies. Once you see that for what it is and understand and see the evidence of how this was created, if they've done that with food, then 
what else has been manipulated or falsified or has a conflict of interest. And it's pretty easy then to see how pharmaceuticals, modern medicine, uh, the 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 um, potentially the vaccine industry and other areas that we are taught this is the way that it is and these are the reasons because of it. Once you see the flaws in, in certain things, then you just can. It's very easy to find the answers for everything else. So is that what you're saying? Because you you started off cooking with food, and that's where your understanding began to develop and because of your knowledge of cooking food and healthy eating you began to line that up with the stories that that um the governments were in guidelines they were putting out is that what like shifted your paradigm to see that incongruity there and then apply it to everywhere else like what was the beginning point where you like once upon a time you didn't think like this how you're thinking now what was that gateway idea that i guess began to unlock the questioning of everything? Well, I think just each your own personal journey on this planet, you're always finding, look, searching for answers. That's what we do. We're, as far as you personally? Yeah, it, it's a lifelong journey. It still is, even to this day, you know, when you question like, did yourself. Did you always, growing up, did you always, like, question things or was there a moment in life when you started to, where, where, where things maybe, where you begin to notice that, you were shifting your thinking? No, I think it's a it's an ongoing process. I think that's what we do as human beings. We question everything. I think as children, we're always asking why, why, why dad, why mum, why, why, why? And then through that process of evaluation to understand, that's our journey is to grow, to evolve, to remember, to be a student, to be a teacher. And it's it's, it's ongoing. It's It's how does that work? How do I feel after I do that exercise? How do I feel if I say that to somebody else? What does that, uh, what does that feel like? Should I have said that at that, that point in time to my partner or should I have answered back to my mum or dad and, oh, I got scolded for that? What, what was the reason for that? Was that my or was that their stuff? And you start to then realise I mean, even this this line of questioning today, you know, I, I'm sitting here going, what is this about? You know, I thought this might have been a different, different, a different podcast, you know, that we could have gone in so many different directions. And I find it really in- interesting that you've chosen to go off the, as you said, the clickbait. Uh, I was hoping whether we go a little bit deeper, but I, I understand where you're at and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to meet you there, but also not to fall into the trap of... I guess where uh, what you're after, because it is indefinable to say that there was a, uh, a a catalyst moment, so to speak. Because once we put ourselves into that moment of oh, oh I was this until that point, that this happened, because that's that that's not what happens. It, it, it's an ongoing journey of joining the dots, and we're still joining the dots here. So, and and, and at the same time manifesting our own reality, co-creating it as conscious beings with other people on the planet. And I do want to like, and I do want to probably pause here and, and even be very clear and very explicit for new listeners of the show and, and for yourself here. The, 
the purpose and process of this podcast is to do exactly what mainstream media and what tribalism in politics cannot do. What we do is we label others, we judge others, we throw accusations at other people, and we form tribes based on these various different things. And what we are doing here and what I'm, what I'm hoping to do with you is to show people that people have assumptions about you. When you jump on the internet, people have fast and loose, oh, Pete Evans, he's that. And that's not just you, it's any religious figure. We've been focusing a lot on Christianity and religion in the series that's out at the moment, different people's experiences with that. And what, th- what this is an attempt to do is an attempt to say, we don't have to agree to connect with the humanity of somebody else. Someone doesn't have to think exactly like me to be able to see my journey and my humanity. So that's what I'm hoping to really like discover a bit about you, Pete, as a person, like maybe a bit of your background, your upbringing, because as we see at the top of the show, the fast and loose assumptions that people have about you, you've, you've already shown there's a lot of more nuance there. That's not quite an accurate representation, and we need a longer discussion about this, that, and the other. And so I'm, the point is to not actually throw the assumptions at you to like label you something. The point is to show how it's an unhelpful tribalism that disconnects us from our fellow human. And I think I'm already hearing you're very on board with this connectedness of humanity. People are very fast to judge people like Donald Trump and say, he's this, he's an idiot, he's a misogynist, he's all these things. And... But that doesn't connect us with people. It, 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 people who might follow Trump will hear that and go, well, you must think I'm all those things. And then we don't talk to each other. We yell at each other. So that's the, for new listeners of the show, that's the, that's the hope of, of, of this platform. And I'm, I'm so thankful for you to come on and, and talk to me in this, in this space. I'd love to know a, a bit about your background. Like, did you grow up religious? What's your educational background? Just so I get a sense of... of who you are as a person leading into the, into this way of thinking. Mm, how about uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because a lot of podcasts ask me this question and I, I always say, you know, what does it matter? Um, what does my, what, what does it What does my past matter to, to anybody? It, 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 it's an interesting thing to discuss because, you know, simple, uh, I grew up, in a non-religious environment. I went to a pub- public primary school and public high school that was co-ed. And, you know, I didn't really think too much about that sort of stuff. You know, I just went to school. And would I say it was a waste of time? Probably. Majority of the stuff that I learnt was um, pointless. Uh, well, I'm a teacher, da- so thanks for that. <laughs> in, in my day-to-day life, you know, there's very little that I've taken from my high school education that I would apply yeah. into my into my existence um, yeah. And that's what I thought when I was at school. I was like, "This is a fucking waste of time." Where there's there's no life skills being taught. There's no there's no way that we're learning how to critically think about ourselves. School wasn't helpful for you. I don't think it's helpful for most people. To be completely honest, the education system at the moment is just fucking just, you know, it teaches people to, as you're talking about to label things, to put people into boxes, okay. to okay. to uh, pit people against each other to get a certain grade to mm-hmm. prove that, ah, oh, that little Johnny or little Sally is great because they got a, a, an A for English or, you know, if they got a C for something else, then what's the matter with them? Why aren't yeah. I good enough? It's, it's mm-hmm. just a fucking system 
created for competition. And do you think the origin of that is school, or do you think it's it's a societal story that then, like chicken or egg, like school is shaped by the tribalist society that we kind of live in, politically divided, you're in, you're out, religiously divided, you're them, you're us, or do you think that school might be the origin of that? Way uh, of I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm. Uh, it's. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just giving you my my understanding. You know, competition. I I don't think competition is really that healthy for for, for kids when they're growing up. To, you know, it's a it can be brutal for so many so many children. Whether you're getting picked for a sporting team, and you know you're the last one to get picked, or you don't do well in a in math, so then you get you feel like you're not smart enough or worthy enough when there's somebody else in the class that's better than you. You know, um, it's, it, that is not a definition of success, how well you do it in a, an exam at school. You know, some kids are a better at creative arts, you know. Other, other children, their brains don't work like that, so they're shit at art, you know. And then, and then to get a report card that your parents or your teachers, oh, he should apply himself a little bit more into that class, you know, or... Oh, congratulations! You were the best in the, best in the class, and, they, and the other kids are sitting there going, "Fuck! I actually worked really hard." You know, I had mates that were the best uh, students, and they didn't do any homework. And then you have other kids struggling just to retain the information, really studying hard, not getting to live their lives as children and playing and creating. You know, to 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 achieve something. That means nothing usually to them. It means something to their parents or to society. You know, even the school system these days seems to be based around how well the school does compared to other other schools. You know, how does our school, where does our school rank in the list of intelligent children? Like, fuck. Fuck, fuck. So I grew up in a um, in a schooling system, and uh, which didn't suit me whatsoever. Um, I grew up in a family. What did that, that push you into? I guess that experience of of not fitting within this system did that? Do you think l- l- guide your path into something else? Yeah, I didn't want to go to university. I thought that I, I couldn't yep. think of anything fucking worse than more yep. school, more study, more being in a mm-hmm. classroom. You know, I loved going surfing. I loved being outdoors. I loved hanging with my mates. You know, that's 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 life, expressing yourself creatively. And some people are really great academically, and that's their path. You know, going into science, for instance, people love that. Some people are—that's uh, their journey, and I celebrate that. Other people are creative artists, and I celebrate that. Other people don't know where to fit in society, and they become outcasts or live off the grid, and I celebrate that too. Some people are destined for politics. You know, I went to school with a girl that she wanted to be the first Australian prime minister. I'll never forget it. Year year nine, she was saying, I've got to be the first Australian prime minister. And, um, you know, and that was her passion, or it could have been her parents' passion. I don't know, you know, but... um, each one of us is on a is on an individual journey for ourselves to work out what brings us joy and potentially what brings other people joy so that we can radiate or, or vibrate at a great frequency instead of being heavy and down. And I see so many children that are at school and their energy levels are down because they're going there to their yeah, I won't go too deep into it, but um, so to answer your question, uh, 
my upbringing is personal to me and the experiences as I had as a child are personal to me. And my beliefs are based off those um, individual experiences that I had in my family and from my educational system and society that make up me as my identity. And the last the last 20 years, I've consciously been trying to peel that away to be completely free of any indoctrinated or adopted belief systems that I have had. And that's an ongoing journey to be that that's freedom to be neutral in all situations without being triggered off culture, society, friends, family, whatever it is, you know, to be content in all situations and to be consciously aware of who we are and, and see that in others and have great compassion for them and not to judge them, but just to be consciously aware and hold space for them the best that we can for them to be the best versions of themselves. So you're, you've kind of answered your own question when you say, like, why does your, back, why does your personal background matter? You, you kind of really answered it well there in the sense that these are the things that have shaped you in, in ways that you're both conscious and unconscious of. And now you're talking about this process and journey of, say, uh, your, last, your, your last 10 or so years or 20 years of you unpacking those things that have shaped you why do you think this way what has influenced you to hold space for this and not this and it sounds i'm get, i'm getting the idea that the things that you're valuing is moving towards a space where you are more freedom as some you're more free as some kind of value and you are more open to others and connected with others is that like a fair assessment of what you're i guess searching for and moving towards as you grow as a human being as you unpack what used to shape you and as you move into what's going to shape you now yeah i think the main thing is i mean a lot of people ask me certain questions about what do i do and you know they say so pete you know do you drink alcohol and i just use that as an as an example and i say what what does it matter whether i do or not what does that mean to you do you want why are they asking the question right do you want permission? So if I say I drink alcohol, that gives you permission to drink alcohol. If I say I don't, then do you feel guilt because you still do or is that where you want to go to? So I'm very cautious not to not to dictate and tell people how I live my life uh, in, in, in certain terms because usually the thing is, okay, what's your, what's your daily routine? I go, it changes every single day. You know, I'm not going to sit here and lie that say, okay, at this time of the day I do this, 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 because, and then even if I set myself those goals and I don't achieve them, then it's 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 a really fascinating space being interviewed by people, and I'm working this out as I go along each and every interview, and I'm being cautious not to Im, Im, impart my beliefs to people. I'd rather stay in a, a state of neutrality as much as possible, and part of my journey is to encourage people or invite them invite is probably the better word invite people to think for themselves and to get to know themselves so how do you do that how do you really do that can you can and you might want to use my social I'll use my social media as an example i put things out there so people question what does this actually mean what does this mean? And I've had this discussion with people before. I go, why, why are you, um, 
why are you putting yourself out there at the stake of your reputation? And why do you seem to be one of the only celebrities in Australia to actually question the narrative? I'm like, well, a lot of my friends do, but they're not willing to take that next step to put themselves out there because there might be some fear, some insecurity, some financial um, reason or popularity reason or whatever that may be. Whereas for, for me, my question is to create and to encourage and to invite, to invite people to think critically about the world uh, for their divine will. And you felt you couldn't be honest in the celebrity, uh, the traditional celebrity role that you had. Uh, if you and so when you were honest, you were happy to to not be in that space anymore because you were following your journey of honest questions and seeking truth. Is that is that no? Well, celebrity never. I never f- craved celebrity or, or chased it down. It was it was. Uh, I was invited to go on this journey, you know, into the, what some would call the mainstream world. And I reluctantly, I turned it down first and then I was asked again and I thought, okay, well, here's an opportunity for, for my own personal growth because I had fear into that space. I had fear of being seen. I had fear of being heard. I had fear of what that meant for me because I was a very shy individual. So there was a, it was a huge growth for me, a huge opportunity for growth. So I never, I didn't become famous because I wanted adulation or to be, or to be seen. That was not what this was about for me, whereas I think a lot of people do. And I'm right. generalizing there. So you were uh, okay to let it go because it wasn't it wasn't something that you you really sought you were sought after in the first place. Whereas maybe some people it, it was. Oh, I could disappear tomorrow. I wouldn't give a fuck. It's uh, it is what it is. You know, I'm just I'm, I'm the same person that uh, I always have been. Even though I'm just fine tuning what brings me more light, more contentment, and uh, more joy in my in in this journey. So talking about that fine tuning you're talking about, um, as we as we discussed, and this is this is what I, I really wanted to talk to you about, there are different ways of so everybody is seeking truth. You know, it's it's a common claim everybody's making there. Oh, what's true, what's not? Donald Trump's the famous, that's fake news, that's not fake news. And and it's this label that can be used in a myriad of different ways, different people using it to call the exact opposite things fake news or or what is truth and that's not true and that is true. For you, Pete, as you've gone through your journey like right now and you're, unta- you're disentangling the, the things that have shaped who you are as a person and you're seeking th- what you think to be true now, what does that process look like for you? Um, as you say, you question a lot of, say, the mainstream stories that might be told by mainstream uh, science that says certain things about all vaccines being safe and things like that. I want to understand the process in which you determine what is true or not, because this, the, the, the world of determining scientific truth, religious truth, um, personal truth, it's, it's very complex because everyone has so many different opinions on it. So I'm, I'm wondering what your methodology is as you come across a new claim, a new idea. What is your process of trying to work out, is this true, is it not true? Maybe it would be best and easiest to start by, what do you define as truth when you use that word? Hmm. The only truth is, there, is that we're <sighs> energetic beings. 
that really is that we are our true nature is love, unconditional love. So that that's truth. Uh, and whenever we're so it not, it sounds almost like a religious idea. Almost like I think that is based in certain religions for sure. You know, I haven't studied religious uh, doctrines. That's not my 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 go-to. <laughs> Other people love doing that, you know. But, um, you know, from my own personal experience, once you have a an experience where you are or you experience what that, that non-dual, non, when you experience a non-dual state, then you get you the answer, the absolute truth. Talk to me, uh, un- unpack that a, a little bit more. When you're saying like non-dual state, I'm, I'm picking up it's this truth is a like a, a feeling or a, or a way of, of being. Whereas I know some people might use truth and they would say truth, um, getting to as close as objective reality as possible, trying to measure things. Is this objectively true for as many people as possible? But I'm hearing you talk about it as this, like a, like a, it's inside of you. It's almost sounding like this truth of like a, a way of living. Is that is that getting close? Yeah, I, it's 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 hard to describe until you've had the experience. Once you've had the experience, right. then it, it, it's an experiential journey. So to give you an idea, so um, it's a different people call it samadhi. Or different people have the experience through breath work, through meditation, through fasting, through these different ancient practices. Some people use uh, psychedelics, uh, such as 5-MeO-DMT, toad medicine, uh, to experience what that non-dual state is. And once you experience the non-dual state, that is the absolute truth. And it can't be explained until you experience it, because the human language uses our senses to explain what that is. But in that state, you don't have any sense data. So it's, it's, it's inexplainable. But once you experience it, that's the absolute truth, which makes this reality seem a little bit like the dream state. So in this state of being, we get to co-create, which is also the, the, the fascinating thing about this. And once we have experienced that state of being, then we can see our our own being and our own identity and the mask that we wear for what they are. You know, they, they're just parts of our ego, which is which we need to be able to function in this reality. And then we look at things through a different lens. And once we've got a different perception of things, it may be very different from people that haven't experienced that. And for and for those, it's it might seem very foreign. So I guess the way that I can sum it up is to hmm, this reality is a bit like a game that we're all playing. Now we can, we all, how you play it is up to you. How I play it is up to me. Um, My belief is that we can manifest our dreams. We can bring our, our thoughts, concepts and ideas into reality. And how quickly we do that is up to the individual. We can either play the game of the victim where we blame everybody else for our situation or we can play the creator. And I choose to play the creator. Sometimes I get back into the victim <laughs> victim mentality. and But then I'm conscious of it. I go, okay, well, I'm playing that role again. So when we have self-awareness, then we can see 
how we respond to all the uh, information that we receive or we choose to receive. And again, going back to the start, you chose to investigate me through Google or Instagram or mainstream headlines. You know, this, it's a very interesting space to be. Okay, so the, the truth that you're talking about seems to be this subjective truth that can only be known from some level of within, some level of self-discovery, I suppose. Yeah, and that's, that's the purpose of who we are, is self-discovery. Everything else is just, <laughs> is just distraction. Because so, you um, would say that when you look at the outside world then, you're, you're kind of saying what you see in the outside world is more largely a reflection of your inside world than the outside world itself. Maybe yes, maybe no. Yeah, our journey is to know ourselves. It's the ultimate right. adventure that we can go on. And then, you know, so try to work out anybody else is sort of, you know, again, a distraction. To judge somebody else is a distraction. I mean, we could use other people as mirrors for ourselves. So if we're triggered by somebody else, then we can look inside and go, what is that? What have I still got to discover about myself? So if you're getting triggered by mainstream news or headlines or myself or other people, then it's an opportunity for growth. I mean, my, my intention is that and why I, why I decide to share what I share is to raise the vibration of or the frequency and that might sound esoteric, but, you know, we all vibrate at a certain frequency. Some are a little bit heavier than others. Others are lighter or at a higher frequency. So for us to evolve... Sorry to cut you off. Link, link no, no, you this go. to me to, like, what people would call scientific truth or objective truth. Like, when you're using words like vibrations and things like that... Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think the because I notice you're not using um, traditionally scientific language to describe these things. I would it sounds to me like it's more I, I see this language more akin to language found in certain different religions. Um, how where do you think do you think there's like a limit to the scientific language as to why you probably don't use it to try and describe this journey? Like link this to what people would call scientific truth. Okay, uh, probably quantum physics would be the the, the best uh, definition of that. So the work that those scientists are doing in that realm, you know, everything is vibration, everything is energy, everything. I mean, they're, they're wonderful. I mean, you study the work of uh, someone like um, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, for instance. You know, he's a he's a wonderful scientist. But he talks about spirituality and science in the same same context. I mean, he had that <coughs> he had that upbringing through his studies, so he has the vocabulary for that to transcend and to connect science with spirituality. You can talk to shamans about how this works in the spiritual realm. There are many. You can talk to mathematicians. So someone like Dr. Bruce Lipton, I've had on my podcast, uh, the shaman and also uh, brain doctor, Dr. Alberto Velodo, uh, who was a practicing shaman, but also a scientist. You know, these guys uh, talk about this. Uh, Robert Edward Grant, who is probably the world's leading mathematician at the moment, uh, I've had him on the podcast too. And we talk about this. We talk about uh, the frequency and the vibration of light, sound and and everything in the universe and that mathematics is the ultimate 
source of truth as one of the ways in which we can explain this in this reality. And um, fascinating stuff. So there's people out there. I'm not that person. I like to mm-hmm. talk to these people and get their yeah. concepts for me to better understand. But that's not my vocabulary that I use because, you know, for me to study science, I've got so many different avenues in which I am evolving myself and and preferences in which I I wish to live my life. It's funny, so many people, when I first started talking about food as being medicine, people are like, oh, you should become a doctor if you're going to talk about this. I'm like, why do I need to become a doctor? I'm interviewing doctors (laughs) that that are sharing their information. If you listen to my podcast, I've I've recorded 150 hours plus of information so far. And I would say 70% of that is from doctors. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's based on health and nutrition. So why the controversy then? Like why the, why the pushback? Why the mainstream, for want of a better word, um, why the pushback on and calls of you being, you know, a purveyor of like pseudoscience or not accurate science? What's the disconnect here as like, as you see it when people make those claims about you? What do you think science might be missing, misinterpreting or corrupted by? Uh, science isn't missing anything. I mean, it's all there. As I just said, you know, I've... I guess the mainstream story that's being told about it. Well, what is mainstream media? It's an industry. It's a business. It's a business. It's an industry. What does it need to do to survive? It needs to... It needs to get clicks. It needs to have eyeballs on it. How do they do that? They create sensational stories. They push through a narrative. I mean, when I first started talking about diet, for instance, and I was interviewed by Mike Willisey, um, who's resting in peace, hopefully now. Um, when they asked me to be interviewed, I said, you're doing a story about diet, but I've got to tell you, this goes much, 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 much deeper than diet. I said, once you look under the rug of, of why there's such pushback over what we're talking about here, we'll just take dietary principles, for instance. Once we talk about this, you have to understand how many industries are at risk if the population chooses to use this information to help themselves. I said mm. so many industries would, would, would either have to adapt or they would crumble, they would go broke. Mm-hmm. So, so why do you it think... Sounds like a, it sounds like you're highlighting the... I guess the money machine that sits behind the drivers of industry, the drivers of capital, the corporation, because in order for them to succeed, they feed on the consumer. And if they can then control the consumer's behavior, then they thrive themselves as an industry or a corporation. Is that what you would say then? They deliberately tell stories that benefit themselves. Is that the system that you're finding within and underneath the, um, the dietary uh, requirements that you're talking uh, about? It's across all platforms, all industries. I mean, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's very right. simple. Politics, very, religion. Very, oh, yeah, very simple to see. Very simple to see. This whole lockdown, same, same. And is there people... Would you say then, would you go as far as to say there's people at the top who control these industries who like the billionaires 
the billionaire class that had that controls all the money, that has all the resources, that owns all the industries, that therefore influence all the stories that we're being told. You'd, you'd have to investigate that yourself. But what I would say is that that energy or that consciousness around money at the moment is is probably one of our biggest issues facing humanity is the, the fear of lack of money, the fear of, you know, say these industries not having their shareholders, you know, um, getting their dividends or their profits. You know, we have a, we've created a system in the world where it's all based around this, 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 this fake money system. You know, and that's what we base ourselves off. That's what is our controlling energetic force pretty much in the world. So how do we how do we evolve out of that? How do we grow out of that? If everybody is in a state of fear of not having enough, I mean that's what they're using at the moment as a as 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 a control mechanism. Scarcity and fear used to push people in different behavioral directions. Yeah, and it just keeps perpetuating their current industries, current paradigm, current narrative, you know, and to step out of that. I mean, what's going to happen is solutions will always arise or, and, you know, what I see happening now is the mainstream media have been losing eyeballs over the last decade through different modalities. So we are also witnessing the more and more information come out about how dangerous certain pharmaceuticals are. So these industries that have been quite dominant are starting to crumble and we're seeing that. We're seeing the exposure of, I mean, a year ago if I spoke about vaccines on this program, it would have been the most controversial uh, (laughs) podcast to date, you know, whereas now... Get some attention for once. (laughs) Whereas now everybody seems to have an opinion on vaccines and more and more people are sharing that information. So... What's happening in my perception is the current industries are starting to crumble or they're starting to be panicking and it's sort of like the last throes of uh, clutching at straws and we are replacing them with new systems. Now, that might take a year, it could take a decade, it could take uh, 50 years, but those systems will be replaced because they're not sustainable anymore. They're not sustainable and what I'm witnessing out there in our world is new systems evolving, new sustainable, new or new um, ways in which we can live as a community, new energy systems, new media platforms are emerging, new medicines mm. and understanding of medicines are emerging and they're being censored, they're being shut down from those controlling industries or entities or whatever that you wish to call them uh, but at the same time, they're exposing themselves, they're exposing, or it is exposing itself. So I'm, I'm quietly and maybe loudly confident that this is going according to what needs to happen for a higher vibrational or frequency planet and human, human interaction to unfold, which we are seeing unfold or an awakening, so to speak. So you're, you're watching this current establishment. So uh, one way to put it, the establishment of a billionaire corporate class that, is current, that has controlled you know, the, the various means of production and industries and the behaviours of, of people and how they consume and things like that. And you're witnessing some level of a shift in that. Something's changing. 
there's there's new stories emerging and and that gives you a, a bit of hope i i want to um I want to put to you an idea. Is there a possibility? I want to get your, your feedback on this idea. Is there a possibility that with this shuffling that may seem to be taking place, like the establishment uh, Democrats being overthrown by, by Donald Trump, who appears to be an anti-establishment candidate, do you think there's the possibility that these, these very same mechanisms of capital and attention and using tactics to gain attention and using misinformation to garner a population of people that can support this other news story, do you think there's a possibility that this one class of billionaires that controls the corporate, the corporations that then control everything else, do you think there's a possibility of that same mechanism being used by the people who are questioning? Do you think there's the people who are questioning, they could also be being used by a, another establishment that is different to the other establishment so take for it might be easier in, in an example as i explain this idea you've got the clinton the clinton dynasty of presidents and then you've got donald trump and he appears to be anti-establishment but as um many of my economist friends i talk to they talk about a lot of his cabinet is made up of establishment bankers goldman sachs bankers coal and oil exec ceos very similar people um and so many have said, well, he's not actually anti-establishment. He's a new establishment. And is there a possibility that these people who appear to be the alternative might actually be just a new brand of the same thing? Oh, we're capable of everything as human beings. We're capable of murder, rape, destruction. We're also capable of unconditional love, creation, birth, the whole thing. So we can go anywhere in that realm. It's a choice. And... Who knows what's going to happen in the future? All I know is that we, we live in a world of unlimited possibilities and each and every one of us gets to create the world in which we live. I always say people have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice in what, what you eat. You have a choose, choice on what you decide to watch of a daytime or nighttime. You have a choice on what you listen to. You have a choice on what time you go to bed. You have a choice on where you live. You have a choice on who you love who your partner is or no partner you have a choice of whether you have a pet whether you don't have a pet all of these choices get to we get to co-create our reality we get to choose who we vote how do you negotiate the butting of heads of the choices of the individuals that you know you can take the the controversial vaccine debate that goes on um, proponents of vaccines would say if people choose individually to not take certain vaccines and believe they're unsafe, then that then would impact other people. How do you negotiate that difficulty when a choice for someone may or may not in fact harm somebody else? What's your process of passing those, those difficulties out? Uh, I don't butt heads, but it's, a, it's an individual choice. You know, it's a, That's a belief system. If people believe that's going to save them, then that's their belief. And as I said, you know, if a vaccine comes for this bullshit virus, then people can choose to take it if they like, whereas other people can choose not to take it. You know, the, the fact that other people, if you've got the vaccine, you should be safe. Well, what, if, what if someone's choices may harm somebody else's? 
let's say let's take for example the just a hypothetical um we won't we won't get into the weeds i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist but let's say uh, doctors say wear a mask because it's going to stop the spread of this virus and it's going to save more elderly people's lives and vulnerable people's lives. And then someone says, I choose not to do that. And then they say, well, your choice will then cause someone else to get sick. How do, we, how do we navigate the individual choice versus the impacts of that if we disagree on the, on the, uh, whether, it, whether it is the case or not? So are you... Is it- so viruses have always existed. We have trillions of them in us and on us and in the environment. So does that mean somebody's going to wear a mask for the rest of their life because they're fearful? Is that, is that, is that, is that, is that what we've come here to do? Is that, is, do we have the belief in ourselves that we are contagious, that we are spreaders of something? You know, I, I choose not to believe in that narrative because it doesn't make any sense to me. But what if that choice led to um, spreading something that could kill more vulnerable people? Yeah, that, uh, it doesn't. <laughs> the science, so you were just yeah. the the science, as you would like to t- talk about before, proves that wearing the masks do not do that. In actual fact, they they hurt more people by wearing it. So again, it's a choice. If someone wants to wear a mask, then so be. I mean, people have been wearing masks. I've seen them you know, walking down streets prior to this virus. It's their choice, you know. I, I, it's, it's up to everybody. I mean, there's, there's no rules in which we get to live our lives. We make our own rules, you know. We, we're human beings. We're here to express and create and love and grow, you know. If, if you want to live in a state of fear, then that's your choice. I choose not to. You've been you've been so open and generous with your time, and the things I've I've gathered from you, I see that you're really pushing to growing as a person, seeking what is true, trying to work out what can lead you to you and those around you to more love and more acceptance and more inclusion. That's the that's the general measuring stick that I'm getting is how you measure your things. As we, I, I just asked this question, two questions I asked my guests as we finish up. Well, one of the question is. What do you think is most misunderstood about you? When people look at you, what do you think they see or what, do, what, what is most commonly misunderstood? Uh, again, I think we'll go back to the thing. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, it's somebody's opinion. It doesn't, it doesn't concern me. It doesn't worry me. Why? Again, it's, it, it's irrelevant. People, people, people will think what they think about anybody else through their programming, through their belief systems. You know, for me to even worry about what anybody thinks is just, it's insane. True freedom exists when you don't care what anybody else thinks about you. It doesn't mean that you're, you're dangerous to anyone else. In actual fact, it's the opposite. You're free. You know, so I'm, if people want to think what they think about me, that's completely up to them. It doesn't. It doesn't worry me. It's irrelevant. It, it's like <laughs> it's a distraction. It's a, it's a distraction. What I'm hearing is that you you find this this level some level of freedom in going. Listen, people are going to think what they're going to think. I'm not necessarily going to change it, but I'm also not going to concern myself with that because it it uh, detracts from your quality of life. Would that be a, a fair summary? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we've got my dog here, we've got the horses out there, watch the, the animals out there doing what they're doing, the birds flying around, you know. 
do they do they sit there and go, oh, I wonder what he thinks of me when I go to pat, when I go to pat them? They're just living in the present moment. They couldn't give a fuck. They're just living, you know. And again, when we're uh, when we're looking at somebody else trying to trying to judge someone, what is it? What is that? That's that's you know a waste of energy. So that that was almost my next question. You've you've half preempted it, saying, how do you see? those other people how do you see the people that might click on those articles in the mainstream media and and think certain things uh, like your misrepresented positions how do you see them they're just people going through their journey and you know they're basing their assumptions if they've got any off off their own programming again it's you know i celebrate everybody on this planet and you know we might not see eye to eye or have the same beliefs, and that's cool. Can you imagine if we were all thought the same? Can you imagine if we all wore the same thing, such as a mask? <laughs> Could you imagine if we all believed in the same religion or God or uh, currency or whatever it may be? I mean, that potentially could be where we're headed. Hmm. So you're saying diversity is good and you love diversity? Well, if we talk about the virome or the, the viruses like we talked about, you know, we have a virome, trillions of bacteria or trillions of viruses in us and on us. We have a microbiome. We have these, um, we have, if you look at the planet, we have the most diverse range of life. We look at soil, you know, the, the diversity that's in there. You know, when we try to politicise, you know, whether we're, this religion versus that religion, republic versus democrat, labor versus liberal. You know, which tribe are you on? You you alluded to that earlier in the talk. I mean, that's just mm. separation. Mm-hmm. We are we we are unique individual beings. With, oh, I think I've lost you. We are unique individual beings, co-inhabiting this wonderful planet, and in that space diversity and variety is the key that that is our key if, that's why nobody should be like me and nobody should be like you or nobody should be like everybody should be themselves it's just, it's pretty simple stuff and is that your is that your central message that you're hoping people take from you if they choose to listen to you, if they choose to say, oh, I wonder what Pete thinks. Is that your central message that you're hoping to communicate through your Instagram and through the work that you're doing? Well, Instagram and Facebook is a very small part of, like, it's a, it's a you know, yeah. I, I'm not here to teach anybody anything. You know, I am a student and a teacher at the same time, but I hope, hopefully, you're a teacher to me and you're a student as well. Everybody is that. So, you know, be, be careful of gurus, that's for sure. Uh, be very, very careful of, of 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 aligning yourself with one philosophy and ideology or one person's belief system because, you know, if you can't think for yourself, somebody else will think for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and so, what would you what would you say to somebody that that might say that we might not have the technical training to understand certain things if we think for ourselves, like. I, I haven't studied anything to do with virology. So when it comes to me understanding various different viruses and things, I don't, I don't think I might have that capacity. What would you say to someone that says that? 
I would say go with the basics, mate. Breathe, live, eat, sleep, love. I mean, why do you need to be an expert on viruses? Well, I guess to determine whether COVID's a thing or not. What does it matter? If nobody told you about it and you were living your life without ever hearing of it, do you think you'd catch it? Well, I guess they would say that perhaps I wouldn't be in the demographic that would catch it. They would say that I'd be walking around, I'd visit my my 90-year-old grandma and then she might die because I did that. Maybe that's what they would say. Well, it's interesting, you know. I mean, from from my understanding of this virus, it seems to, if, I mean, a lot of people say they still haven't worked out or or isolated the virus itself and that's up for debate. But the people that seem to be getting affected by this are the people that already have at least one or two or three different comorbidities, which is other illnesses or diseases. Now, Mm -hmm. it's very controversial, but how did these people live their lives? What choices did they make through their life to get type 2 or diabetes or heart disease or this or that or the other? Did they live in a state of freedom or did they live in a state of fear? What did they choose to put into their bodies as they diet for the last 60, 70, 80 years? You know? But did would you they, even then say that's a choice? Sorry, keep going. What were their, what were their emotional beliefs throughout their life? You know, did they believe that they were lovable? Did they have self-love? Did they have self-worth? Did they live in a state of victimhood? I mean, each and every one of us has a different program that's running, programs that are running, mm. you know. And, and you, would, would some people be running programs that they didn't choose to run? So if, if, if they were told a certain story from like the schooling system that you're, you're brought up, they might be predisposed to believe a narrative about health that leads them to have make choices, so to speak, in inverted commas, that have led to more health unhealthy outcomes? Would that be defined as, I guess, a choice? I guess it's the question, like, is there free will, I suppose, in, in some yeah, of these of people's free will. Anybody, if they're open to it, you know, I've met people yesterday, you know, that are in the healing space and they're not healthy, you know. They might be great healers, but they're not looking after themselves. And that's a choice. A lot of people would rather help other people than help themselves. Other people help themselves and don't help other people. Other people like to do both. So how do we justify certain behaviours for a population of certain things that, you know, let's just take for an example, somebody that has lived a life and not looked after themselves, gotten to the point where they're sick, you're healthy, by, I mean, you'd have to uh, you'd have to work that out. So, does that mean you can't live your life based off the choices that other people have made? You know, you live your life. You look like a, a fit, healthy human being that's open to, you know, I'll take that as a compliment. Growth. Thank you, thank you. You can you see the rig here. Growth and expansion. So, should you be punished by society and not being able to live your life because there's other people out there that are sick? And have chosen different pathways. So you can't go outside today because somebody else might die because they've chosen a different path. Mm. I mean, this, these, are, be... these are big, big, big questions. And I don't have the answers, but I'm putting out the question out there. Because, you know, or is there a different way where we can protect those vulnerable people so that others can continue to live their lives 
how they choose to be. So is, is there a certain mechanism out there or a certain system or a certain procedure or protocol that we can put into place for, let's just take this virus as an example. We know that it affects 0.00 part of the population that already have these, these issues. So should we look after these people? Should we uh, Im- improve their immune system? Should we look at feeding them a wonderful diet? Should we look at doing meditation for these people? Should we look at what self-love means for these people in the, in, in the position that they're in, in the nursing homes? How do we encourage self-growth, self-love, self-empowerment? How do we change their immune system? Because we can if we chose to. Imagine if the government came together with the leading health professionals and said, okay, let's target this. Let's help these vulnerable people. Everybody else continue on the way that you're living, but let's actually, let's put the, put the, the funds and the resources, wonderful anti-inflammatory diet. Let's make sure that there's no Wi-Fi in the vicinity of these people because we know EMFs can have, have, have a um, problematic effect on the immune system. What about if we put these people into the sun for a certain period of the time so we can increase their vitamin D? What about if we got the right uh, put pumped ozone into the air uh, or however it works as a dis- disinfectant? What about if we use certain light therapy that might help with this these coronaviruses that are affected by light therapy? What about if we used heat therapy because we know this works for certain coronaviruses? What if we use this, 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 this for our most vulnerable? Do you hear anybody fucking talking about that? And if you don't hear anybody talking about that, that's in a position of power or authority. The question is why? Why are they saying nothing will go back to normal until a vaccine is discovered or released into the general public? Why do, the, why do you think they're saying that? Why are they not addressing the immune system of our most vulnerable? That's the question I asked from, from day one, and no one has been able to give me a, a, a clear and concise answer as to that. Yet, So do you think there are other alternatives that governments could be uh, assisting with and other ways of them doing it, and you're saying they're not? And what would you say then the, the, it, the reason that they're not oh it's a pretty simple question it's a pretty simple answer think about it so you're you would then i'm just drawing the connection to what you said earlier you're saying that there is certain vested interests that want a particular outcome that's that's how you would put it well it would seem that not all avenues are being looked at and then the question is why you can draw your own conclusions to that. Do, do they not have the information to explore that? Are they close-minded? Is it too much work? Have you ever asked these questions directly? Because I know you speak to a lot of doctors. Have you ever asked these questions directly to um, the like virologists or government uh, people in the like health de- the department of, of health in Australia? Yeah, I'm going to have to go because we're over time. But you, but you can you can go back to my podcast and I've asked so many doctors these questions. So it's but all no there. one on the official on the official advisory bodies and stuff like that. Uh, they haven't come to me for any for any questions, and I wouldn't be the person that they would come to anyway. I would, if they did, I would say I would refer them to the doctors that have probably been censored or banned off their platforms for sharing this information. Pete, thanks so much for being so generous with your time. It's been great to talk to you. 
I think I think I said I'll do the wrap up. You can you can run off. I'll just wrap off without you, mate. It's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. Cheers, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you agree or disagree, well, it's kind of not the point. I know many people will probably both agree and disagree with a lot of what was said in that episode. But pause for a second. Not the point. Hopefully, I've been able to unpack a little bit more towards the end there how Pete sees the world, how he's coming to the conclusions he's holding. And if you would like to know what I think, who really cares, I say. But if you'd like to know what I really think, you can follow the links in the in our Instagram and you can sign up to our oh, behind-paywalled newsletter where good friend of the show, Russ and I, break down each episode. What was I trying to do? Where did I fail? What questions did I miss? What what areas do I think allowed me to understand Pete and how he draws and comes to the conclusions he has? How did I find the interview? Was he a bit hostile? I don't know. Maybe I felt like that. Is that what you got? If you have any thoughts or questions, you can reach out to us on Instagram or send us an email at idisdigest at gmail.com and... You can let us know who you'd like us to talk to next, what topics you'd like to hear more about. You direct the show. Thanks for tuning in and I will catch you in the next episode.